When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. Cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones is one of the greatest albums by the greatest bands in rock and roll. This classic double album was a number one hit in six countries, included songs that the Stones still play in concert 40 years later. The story of how this record was made is about as rock and roll as you can get. The Stones had fled the UK to avoid a huge tax bill, and they recorded most of it in the basement of a villa Keith Richards rented in southern France that the Gestapo used as a headquarters in the 1940s. The house became a revolving door of celebrities, heroin, and music. On today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to honor the passing of the great Charlie Watts by going track by track through Exile on Main Street and talking about the stories behind the album. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 25. It's only rock and roll, but we like it. I am the man behind the microphone, Bruce Kramer, and I am the most fortunate person in podcast land because I am here with the majestic, the magical, and the magnanimous, I don't even know what that word means, but it rhymes, Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. How's it going? Are you rocking out there? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia, and our show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So tonight, in honor of the passing of Charlie Watts, we decided that we were going to talk about Exile on Main Street, one of the Rolling Stones' best albums. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's the most decadent album they have. It's total drug binge sure. recording yeah. in a basement. <laughs> That wasn't made to record, you know. It came out funky, but yeah. I think that's. I think it's a funky album because those guys were definitely feeling funky, and just in the element that they were in, like you know, all the drug, all the drugs, and all the drug dealers, and like all this, like I said, all the celebrities coming in. It just sounded like a really crazy ride the whole time they were there. Well, what people don't know is um, the house that they recorded in was Keith Richards' mansion. Yeah, that yeah, he was staying at. If you heard our intro, the Stones were exiled from England for not paying their taxes. 
Yeah, man. I mean, this. So we talked about the Stones a ton. I mean, all yeah. three of us love them. We talked about them extensively in the, uh, the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles album. But that was like twenty episodes ago, which I don't believe I just said that. That wow. we're, we're, cat- yeah, we're we're episode twenty five, man. We've been doing this for almost a year now. I've been having but, a great time doing this. Sure, it's, no, it's been so much time. fun. And yeah. this is an album like. I didn't know the whole story behind it. So, and one of the best things about doing this show, man, is like all the cool shit that I'm learning about music. You know, I'm getting to indulge something that I really enjoy. And man, the story behind it. That's, <laughs> that's, the stories are crazy. That's why crazy. I suggested the show. Yeah. I knew from like years ago that this album was so like down and dirty. I always said after listening to this album, you need a shower. Sure. It's so, you know, funky, like I was saying. Yeah. Like, you know, it gives off the smell. Yeah. And when we do album, when we do episodes, man, we have a long list. You know, we, we wrap up an episode and then we kind of kick around ideas and everything. And this has been something, Ryan, you've had, it's been on the list for a while. It's one of my favorite albums yeah. of all time. And then when, when Charlie Watts passed away a couple of weeks ago, we were like, yeah. dude, we got, we got to yeah. do it now. Now we have to do yeah. it. Yeah. Um, you said about the album needing, um, like needing a shower after listen, listening to it, man. The Guardian, the the newspaper in England said it, it's an album that just sounds like it's made by a bunch of drunks and junkies who were <laughs> somehow managed to fire on all engines at the same time. I mean, maybe before we even get into this, man, like tell the story about like where they recorded it. Like think about what was going on in music in the time. This album came out, what, like 72? 72, they were, yeah. yeah. So it's like Janice is dead. The Beatles are gone. Hendrix had died. Jim Morrison had died. The hippie movement was over. Punk rock music hadn't started yet. Sure, yeah. So this was the outlaw music. And this is like right after the um, that incident in California, in San Francisco, after the um, the show they put on for free. With Altamont, Hells Angel. Yeah, yeah, the Altamont show. Yeah, yeah so, that was 1969. Yeah. I know, but this, is, yeah. this album is following up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is like, I mean, this is like, the pinnacle of like sex, drugs, and rock and sure, roll. Yeah, you know, like the Stones are kind of like the bad boys of rock and roll. I mean, I think they the album before this they did was Sticky Fingers, and it, I think that set off such a trend for them in the seventies that they were this drugged out yeah. band. They you know, you couldn't get more like you said, Bruce Outlaw than the Rolling yeah. Stones. You know, they were they would uh, they would go to towns and people would like riot. Yeah, and, and they had that four album streak, like Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, and this. Yeah, and, like you put that up against any four albums that any band has ever put out. They're definitely in rock and roll. They were definitely the most dangerous band in the world at that point. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I said, like you need a shower after. Like I feel the same way about like Appetite for Destruction. Sure. Yeah. Like this gives me the same kind of vibe as that does. That's a good point. That's a very good you know point. I. I first fell in love with this album when I was in the Bahamas. So what they were living in the south of France, they were living like at a seashore kind of town. Yeah. You want to to talk a little bit about like, so how'd they wind up there? Well, they wind up there because they couldn't find a recording studio in France. Well, Um, why? Like, well, how'd they get to France? Well, they went to France because they got exiled from England for not paying their taxes. So Keith bought a house out in uh, out in the south, south of France. It was called Villa Nivellet. They set up shop there, and he they said, well, "Why don't we come down here and record?" So they start shopping around for a recording studio, and they couldn't find one. It was very limited on around the area. So Keith, being the bohemian that he is, he was like, "Hey, why don't you just all come and record at my house, and we'll we'll suck it out like." 
So, you know, Keith opened up this house to the Rolling Stones and their posse, you know, like just a, it's not even, I can't even explain or talk about how much drugs they did in this house. Oh, I know. It's like they were doing this heroin, this Persian heroin called Pink. Like thousands of dollars a day or a week they were spending on this stuff. Just like it was such a party. Nothing got done the first two weeks. Yeah. I um I read an article that they owed the drug dealers so much money that the drug dealers came to the house and started stole, take, their, stole guitars stole and amplifiers. In the middle of the day. Yeah, they just, they just out. walked in. Everybody's standing around, and they just walked in, yeah. and, and they just took it, and nobody said a word to them. Yeah. Yeah, man. So they like they leave England because they're kind of like, you know, they've gotten busted for drugs a couple times, and then the UK government starts like trying to put their hand in their pocket and their tax rate was like 93 percent. it's crazy and they had been they had just gotten out from underneath the management of this dude alan klein he was the shit bag of the week in the stones beatles episode the guy that like had all the royalties and he he played a role in like yeah even this album even this this rolling stone album he had nothing to do with and he still got credit for four four songs songs. but they had just gotten out underneath that and they were like, all right, man, we, we got to get the hell out of here because the government's going to tax us into oblivion. Yeah. Like, So they were exiles from their home their home yeah. country. And they, they went, he said, they went there and, and they couldn't find a place to record. So they're like, well, let's just do it here. And that sounds like, now that sounds like, okay, cool. They recorded in somebody's house. Nobody did that no. in the no. 70s. Well, what they did was they had the sound truck from the record company come out and, you know, they came out and ran all the wires out of the house and in, in, into the truck, the sound truck. Did you hear where they got the power from? They they robbed the power from like some like like a uh, railroad, and for, like from the government. So they basically got all their their electricity for free. No, yeah, it was like the the railroad was coming, and there was a telephone pole. Yeah, they just hooked it, it all, hooked it all up. Hooked, yeah. They said it really wasn't worth it at the end of the day because yeah. it would start fires. Yeah, and the electricity would go on and off and everything. But, but I'm they, sure they were very entertained by. Yeah, the whole but they thing had anyway. this. They had this truck that had all the gear in it, and again, that now that's pretty commonplace. But that's like yeah. nobody nobody did that. Back that's, then. Like, that's like an amazing thing. Yeah, um, Elvis did it for an album. He recorded an album out in in Graceland called the Jungle Room album. And he did the same thing. Yeah, I mean that album just sucks. Yes. Yeah, the Jungle Room. Yeah, album. The, the, I mean, and this, Zeppelin did the same thing. Yeah, also. The, with like this Zeppelin truck. 30. Oh, was it the same truck? It's this truck that oh, they shit. they lent it to Zeppelin for their third and fourth albums, and oh, they shit, used it. Huh. So they were like, "Cool, man, we've got it. Let's just hook it up." Yeah. yeah. And they when they recorded it in the house, man, they didn't they didn't sit in the living room. No, the house had this huge basement. Yeah. Right. This this stone. And it had all these like little rooms, and they said that like I mentioned this in the monologue that like during World War Two, like yeah, the Gestapo used it as like their headquarters. Yeah, I, I read that there was like when Keith moved in, there was swastikas on the stairs, on the stairs, on the tiles, all around the floor. Yeah, man. And they you said know. like they would go in this basement and had all these little like nooks and crannies, and it was built in a way like they couldn't all they couldn't physically be in the same room because it it just wasn't big enough. Yeah, it was crazy. Even when they had to start the tape to record, they had to go. All right, we're ready. Right, we go down the chain. Yeah, to go outside. Yeah. The and then somebody had to run out to the truck. Yeah, and tell like, like rolling, oh, rolling, rolling, rolling. right? Yeah, and um, and it's really cool, man. Like, there's some you can see, like you can hear, watch videos of like them talking about, like they would go in this corner of this room with just like a guitar, and they'd be like, Brr, like how's that sound? You know, just yeah. try, they were just exploring how like reverbed and yeah, uh, they were using different rooms in the house. Yeah, um, they would try to do like isolated vocals with Mick 
and like the only thing that they could find was was one of the bathrooms but it was like a scratch track though yeah like, but you think about it, it was like so revolutionary you know because like you know that's pretty standard t- in today's time like you know even though like zeppelin did it and um nobody did anything like that yeah, before. nobody recorded so was, in the house yeah, yeah it was like uncharted territory you know and the um yeah man they said like, like bill wyman would be in one room and his amps would have to be out in the hallway because yeah. they couldn't record yeah. anything. And they said also that it was so hot and humid in there that the guitars would like fall out of tune really quickly. Sure. So it wasn't condu- – it added to that really dirty sound that a lot of this has. The house had like um, plaster walls. They were putting carpet on the walls trying to do – it just wouldn't work out. They were having such a hard time catching something to record on. But then – so you had this like – this. And I, I just I love this whole vision, man. That they're in like the south of France. Yeah. Know? Oh la la. You know? yeah, yeah. Right. And then, but then it's they're down in this dark basement, and they would they would play like these marathon sessions. Oh, all they're night. all junked out, man. They're probably yeah. more than happy to be there. And then know? at the at the top, you know, upstairs in the house, it's just like they said it was like friends and friends and friends and drug dealers and celebrities and there's just like equipment everywhere and. B- Booze bottles and pets are running around the floor, yeah. but this place has these like big crystal chandeliers. Yeah, and then you've got the the most dangerous rock and roll band in the world in like the basement where the Nazis were. Like, I read a book. It was by a guy named Robert Greenfield. It's called Exile on Main Street: um, A Season in Hell with the Rolling Stones. And he said Keith would just open up his house to all these people. Keith was such a junkie. He like disappear for a couple of days upstairs. Sure. Yeah, he would say, "Oh, I'm going to go upstairs and take care of the kids." When he's really going upstairs and shoot up some heroin, and then like you know, everybody would be ready to record, and Keith wouldn't be anywhere near incoherent to record anything. Yeah, man, he was Keith Richards was really, really wrapped up and smack sure. at this point. Like, yeah, and they said it would be like days that yeah. he would just be out of it. And I didn't read that book, A Season in Hell, but I read about it. And there's some really dark shit in no, that book. No, about- it's a great book. It's, you know, it, I was looking for more of the recording side of getting some information, but they really talked about the drug use and how, you know, Keith got clean and his wife at the time that was with him, his girlfriend, she, he, she, he sent her out to to rehab and he was like if you can't handle it don't come home like yeah. kind of thing well i think that book has a story too that that keith richards gets all zonked out on heroin and his girlfriend sleeps with Mick Jagger, like yeah. in the house wow and then the um they had a, a chef they had a french chef that was like this big like keith richards still talks about him how yeah. great he was but keith richards girlfriend convinced the chef's like teenage daughter to start shooting smack wow. and so like, so you got kids doing drugs and then there's that um there's a really cool documentary, the, the Stones in Exile, yeah. about yeah, watched, the making yeah. of it. Yeah, and the one guy was talking about he was like the drug dealer's kid. He was like eight. Yes, and he was talking about like I used to roll the joints. Yeah, for I brought, like I, he was basically their drug mule. Yeah, and it's like so you got like. And he's like, oh, I saw them all snorting coke and all this shit. It's like, you got children running around when this is going on. Yeah, it's just I mean, crazy. They what were, a classy environment. They, yeah. They weren't parents of the year. No. No. no right. Like, like, God, uh, the, the welfare people would come through and just <laughs> snag those kids in a minute now. Yeah, man. And, it, you know, they had this just enormous party and all these people were coming in. Like, there was a story that, like, John Lennon showed up one time and he yeah. housed a bottle of wine and he puked everywhere. Yeah. And, well, you're going to handle the heroin is yeah. what I read. He couldn't handle the, what... 
whatever Keith was getting, you know. Then you had like James Conn would show up there, and like Yoko, of course, there Eric Clapton, yeah, and uh, Graham Parsons yeah, was there a yeah. lot. I and actually, and uh, uh, Keith kicked him out of the house. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought Mick did because Keith was afraid, or Mick was afraid that Graham Parsons and Keith Richards were going to become so tight that they were oh. going to leave and go on oh, tour really? together. And he was like, uh, "This yeah. is my band. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, get out." Yeah. He was awesome. I, I never, I, yeah, I don't know too much about the fly, the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah, great name, great name. I don't, I don't know, I don't know about their music though, but he plays the steel guitar all through this album. Yeah, and there's a couple. There was always a rumor like, is he singing on a couple of the tracks and what a couple of the vocals? I think and, they were just so fucked up. They, didn't they know, don't even know. They don't yeah, know. Mick denies that it was him, but yeah, Mick doesn't yeah. want him anywhere no. near the album. No. So it's just like, man, this this cluster F it's going yeah. on. And and at some point they finally, after a couple months and they got a lot of this stuff recorded, they weren't finished. It wasn't perfect, but they were like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, because then the French, the French the cops, was coming through. Yeah. yeah. The cops have kind of like had enough of their shit. Yeah. They're and, like, all right, guys, you've been here for six months and we've yeah, been letting you go for everything. Yeah. yeah. It's, time, it's to time to go. Jet. And I think it came down to like, after we recorded the album, you know, they went to Keith Richards and they're like, like they want to question about this drug use and everything like that and he wasn't allowed in france for two years after they recorded yes. this album yes you know so they couldn't play anywhere yeah. in france because he got busted yeah and uh at part of his uh pleading guilty he was allowed in france for two years yeah. so they got basically banned from it so they're exiles from two countries yeah. now yeah, yeah. <laughs> way to go way to go all right so to finish the album they went back they went to la and they yeah. did some other session work and some over you know they polished it up but i think one of the great things about this album is there's not a lot of polish to it. Like no. it is you don't so need dirty. It it's so dirty. Right, right. I think I read in this book that they were going for a sound like the fifties. They wanted to set the album to sound like something from the fifties. Yeah. They uh, used a lot of echo. They used a lot of reverb on here. But I, I love how things sound from that basement. Like I can hear I the do drums. too. Mm. I can hear the drums on it. Not every song was recorded in the basement in in France, there was also recording sessions going on in California. Sure, yeah. As sound, something sound. Yeah. I have it written down somewhere. But... It wasn't Sound City, was it? No, no, no. Yeah, okay. And no. some of the stuff came out of, like, the Let It Bleed sessions, too. Like, yeah, they had some, like, blueprints. Or yeah. Yeah. yeah, they had some, some yeah. blueprints or some yeah. stuff. Um, but, yeah, it, I, the, once I was reading the story of how it was recorded, and then I went back and I listened to the album again. Yeah. And I felt like I was having a completely different experience. Yeah. Like I could mm. picture them in the basement. Sure. Yeah. You know, just, and I had a completely different experience to it. Really, really cool. Um, that Guardian article that I quoted earlier said that, like, the stones have never sounded so sexy, so raucous, and so abandoned, and so low down and dirty. You know, just, again, it's just, it's just rock and roll, man. It's it, a rock it, and roll it's album. Just, yeah, yeah. It's just great. They, like, and, invented that sleaze rock. They did, man. You know, like, they lived it. They weren't they they weren't like coming up with a, a gimmick. They were legit like sleaze rock. And I read an article uh, the other day that Mick Jagger said if they didn't get thrown out of England and go record this album in France, he thinks the Stones would have broken up. You know, you guys have read so like galvanized them that like yeah. we're the bad guys. Yeah, but you he know, was convinced that the, the, world. the album. I'm sorry, the the band was going to break up. Hmm. It was interesting, like that exile, uh, that Stones in exile thing they're talking about when they first go there. And Charlie Watts is going like, I couldn't get the right tea, and I <laughs> yeah. couldn't get milk for my tea. Everything had to be flied in. But, yeah, but yeah, Charlie that, would leave. Like he would be there all weekend. He would leave on like the weekends. seven hours away. Yeah, yeah he was but like, he, would, he wouldn't stay the weekends. Yeah. He would just leave during the weekends. Can you imagine putting up with those assholes? No, <laughs> you know, poor Charlie. God rest his soul. He put up with those boys for. He's a like long the gentleman, like the gentleman of the band. Yeah, he just 
went along with it, but then he probably had enough of it. It's like, I'm going to fuck home. Yeah. I've been here for a week. Keith's gone. Mick hasn't even showed up yet. You know, Bill, Bill Wyman's just happy to be there. Right. Bill, Bill Wyman was hard to find a lot during these re, during these sessions. Also, he but, only played like seven. He only played bass on seven songs on this album. It or was something so. Like that. It was so fucked and not. It was a free together. for all. It was yeah. a free for all. I would leave too. I'd be like, I'm out of here. This is yeah. Go, what am like, I, I'm the drummer. When am I going to? When am I going to lay down today? No. Okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. And one, I mean, you gotta you gotta watch the documentary, man. And it's because at some point they're showing pictures of uh, Charlie Watson. He's just like he's holding two uh, coat hangers mm. and he's just tapping. Them on the wall to try to get something down and then it's like the interview like first of all i've said this before like i could listen to mick jagger and keith richards talk about music for forever mm-hmm. like just the dude they're both just encyclopedias but then hearing like bobby keys talk and bobby, bobby keys got that he's texas. got that red that texas thing and he's talking about the party and he's like well holy dog shit of course it's awesome bam son yeah. it's rock and roll really 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 cool man i saw something keith said about him and Mick. He's like, Mick's rock and I'm roll. Yeah, I read that too. What a great line that yeah. was. You know what? We I don't think we talked about this that much when we talked about the Beatles and the Stones was how Keith Richards plays guitar that he plays only five strings. Yeah, we talked about did that we, Did we? Okay. Sure. Yeah. It's still, we still talk about it. Man, there, there was a really, I found another YouTube video. It was something he did for like Gibson and he was just interviewing to somebody and he was like, can you sh- demonstrate it for me? He takes me? it off the guitar. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. Like, he's like, they're sitting there smoking cigarettes. They're, yeah, yeah, they're trying yeah, to like yeah. get a pair of pliers yeah, yeah. and rip the string yeah. out and he's just, just showing how he, how he played and I was like, can man, imagine? just again, so cool. I had a guy so down cool. at the bar like we are talking about our last episode, uh, guitar picks and he's like, oh, you know, Keith Richards, like, you know, the way that he plays, you know, those six strings I'm like, dude, you, only you, don't know, five. you only plays five. Are you sure about that? I'm like, I'm pretty fucking yeah. sure. I <laughs> like he's. I'll put this on our Facebook page, man. But he was like, he's playing the guitar. He's just strumming the guitar. Yeah, and he's like, oh no, this doesn't work. And he rips the the sound out, and then he's down. You know, he's drop tuning it. Yeah, and into G, and it's like you hear it from like a normal sound acoustic guitar. It just like. Jesus. falls into place yeah. and you're like there's the stone sound and he gets this but, big stupid grin on his face yeah. he's like that's yeah, rock and roll said, baby yeah. but it's that's a blues awesome. thing that, that, but that's an old yeah. that's an old blues thing you know he didn't invent it he just used it yeah you know brilliant. really it's really brilliant. really cool man yeah. alright so we've been talking for 20 minutes man why don't we just well, I think we're gonna go track by track through this and let's let's do it this was a double album so there's yeah, a lot of ground to cover let's 18 take a, songs right yeah let's take a look at the album cover here guys I got the record right here Bunch of little small pictures on the front cover. Uh, looks like sideshow to me. Some yeah, pinups, some wrestlers, some There's belly the dude, dancers. The dude with the three billiard balls in his mouth. Yeah, that's like that famous picture famous. you've seen before. Absolutely. But that picture, from what I read, that's by Robert Frank, and that's a photo of a photo, mm-hmm. and it's from a book called The Americans that he put out. And it's like a lot of circus freaks from like the 30s and everything like that. The guy with the the balls in his mouth. I think he's got balls in his yeah, mouth. Got, but that guy's name is three. <laughs> is three ball. <laughs> three ball Charlie. That's his. his that was his stage name. Ah uh, shit. Well, yeah, so you've got the yeah. So, so Ryan's got the the vinyl here. It's all black and white pictures. And it the, came with um yeah. like postcards in it, right? Like pic- my, pictures. Of oh, I'm poor. I can't afford the, the, the my vinyl. Vinyl is a reprint. So the maybe the original packaging has changed but i didn't get any postcards yeah i think it i think the original one it came with some postcards and some stuff but yeah i mean it's a double album i have two different sleeves for both albums and there seems like there's four songs on each each side of the album so of course there's going to be you know two two records to come in the set four different sides yeah yeah It, it makes total sense that side one ends with tumbling dice 
and then side two opens with Sweet Virginia. It's just mm. it makes sense to look at the record prior to looking it on CD or looking it on the download. You know, it's it's a different experience listening to Absolutely. the record. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah. When when albums when that kind of stuff like mattered more. You know, we talked about yeah. like we were going through the Springsteen episode talking about the listening experience, like Born to Run, like everything's in a very particular order, or the White Album, or mm. stuff like that. It was, yeah, the listening experience was different more than oh, I'm going to put up Spotify and just tool around. Oh, I know yeah. that song. I want to hear that. You know, you yeah. went through it. Yeah, dude, let's just start, man. Let's yeah. play a little bit of Rocks Off. The opening song, this is one of the greatest opening songs Absolutely. on uh, you, Right off the bat, you get, a, you get a vibe off this album. Absolutely. Charlie Watts is, is awesome on this, man. He, he, he is. just, man, I can't even stress how much we're going to miss Charlie sure. Watts. He's yeah. the drummer's drummer, man. He is yeah. the drummer's drummer. This is a song that, man, when you, when you listen to it, like, you get the vibe, man, that they're in that basement and the instruments are falling out of tune because it's so muggy sure. and shit down there. But it's the sound, like you know what I mean. They really use it to their advantage, and really, they made a masterpiece. Yeah, man. With all the with all the elements they had to deal with. Absolutely. This thing. All right, here's thirty seconds of it. Just play it from the beginning, man. That yeah, open, rock, that, yeah. That opening five seconds. I wish we could play that whole song. Uh, man. Th- th- like, that's a great bar song too. They build up and the way it falls down, and then they get that funky, like that psychedelic jam, like two and a half minutes in, where his voice yes. is all distorted. Yes, it's just a rock song. Keith's, dude. Keith's crunch in this song. I've been listening to it on the headphones just now, and his crunching sound is so awesome. On yeah, this track. and we say it all the time, like you know, like is that the remastered version that you're playing? This, it is. Do you hear things like we say? Every time we sit here and listen to them, like you, you, you're hearing things, I'm hearing things I've never really heard because I'm not a big vinyl guy. I don't co- yeah. like collect a lot of things, but like I'm here, like just hearing like a whole bunch of different things I've never heard before. Yeah, you know, the Rolling Stones are the Rolling Stones, but what really helped them out in this album is Bobby Keys. Sure, this sure, absolutely. He absolutely. is a he big so part much, of this yeah. album. He might as well be like the ro- a Rolling Stone. Yeah. He's so much on this album. Yeah, and it, this this song's got that great line in it too, like the sunshine bores the daylights out of me. Mm. Yeah, here, that's like, that's one of their one of their best. Yeah, that's their great. best line. So, man, I, I uh... go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay, do you want to you want to just keep moving? Or you got something else on the on that? Yeah, tune? we can keep moving. All right, cool, man. Second song on this album is "Rip This Joint." This is one of my favorite ones. Is it? Steven Tyler said uh, after he got out of rehab, the only way he could ever get high was to listen to this song. <laughs> really? Said, cool. Actually, he said. I read that article. He said this is the only album that he brought to rehab with him for his first oh, really? his first time in rehab. This is the only album that he brought with him. Wow, what a great album! Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I, that's Makes, why I thought it was humorous. The um, and. Uh, I mean, this is a fifty. This song just sounds like fifties mm, rock yeah, and roll. Yeah. Let's just play a little bit of it. Charlie Watts' drum set. 
I mean, yeah, it's Keith, totally. But Charlie has this way too. Like he's a step behind. Exactly. Like, it's so it's, it's, it's so crazy. Only those two those guys could sling it together. Man. And it's like those like they're such a they're one of the greatest rock and roll bands to come out of England. But they have such like an American sound to them. That's their you thing. Know, That's right. what they always wanted to yeah. accomplish. Yeah. All, their, you know? all their music their that they grew up with was American music. You know, the before them, nobody was playing blues in england yeah and that's like what we talked about on our show that's how keith and, and mick got friendly because they like the same music holding they, the they, blues they, records yeah on the on the flat you know on the train mm-hmm. and that's how they got talking you know speaking of blues man i mean the the next song is a is a blues cover right it's yeah. uh shake, it your, is hips. shake your hips it's yeah. by a guy named slim harpo harpo yeah i i had never heard of slim harpo but Until then as now, i yeah. started looking into it keith richards talked about him a lot like over the years, yeah, he's can a we like cyclopedia? Can we play the original and I mean play the, the the Stones version and then the original? Yeah, man. So when you listen to this too, like uh, this 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 riff you're gonna hear at the beginning, it's Lagrange by ZZ Top. Oh, it's the same. Oh, like totally. when I was listening yeah, to it the other sure. day, and I'm like, yeah, holy yeah. shit, this is yeah. a ZZ Top riff. Uh, here you go. All right, here's the original from the Stones. Here's the original man from uh, Slim Harpo. different yeah. i think i think the stone is a little bit more dirtier absolutely yeah obviously you know I, we're talking about how dirty this album is right it's crazy that the, the blues song is the cleaner sounding the, the but cleaner I, sounding yeah. song but, yeah. but i like the fact you know like early in their career all they did was covers you know and um because they're huge blues fans you're far away from that by the time they got this out this is 71 72 when they start recording this i like that they they held on to that you know, they held on to the idea of like paying homage to playing the music that they grew up on, that the, they like the covers that they played. They never yeah. got away from that. You know, yeah. I just, I just like that. I thought it was cool. No, there's, there's um, a few of these songs are covers on these albums. We'll get to the rest of them later. But um, the sh- shake your hips, man. They that was a great original song. There was a a highly successful backup song that was called Baby Scratch My Back. By the same guy, by Slim Harpo. I just like the I just like the name of that Slim Harpo. Slim, oh, I like the yeah. name of it. absolutely. But I like the name of that song, "Baby Scratch My Back." And they always like they they look back and they play a lot of blues stuff, but they they were never accused of being well. They weren't as accused as being exploitative, exploitative as like Zeppelin was. 
You know, like, and yeah. I've, I've, I read some shit, some people now being like, well, you know, they're still culturally appropriating, which I'm just like, what a fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like the Stones were also the guys, like, they would insist on bringing Hell and Wolf sure. and all those muddy waters and stuff like that. It's a different relationship with the blues and the artists that did it than Zeppelin had. After you after you brought that up in our last episode, I went back and I started listening to a lot more. Like, Zeppelin, like, oh, what are you talking about? And then I listened to um, Rock and Roll Archaeology, that episode. I was like, holy shit, I yeah, never man. knew all that. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh, you know, no big deal. Yeah, Rock and Roll, Arche- rock and roll Archaeology put them on blast pretty pretty uh, good, real, too. It, it was great. Yeah. It was oh, great. really? I have to check that out. Yeah, it's cool that they're, yeah, like, they're not afraid to, to step to people. So. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know... Anything that you guys are talking about, but I have to check that out. Yeah, the other Pantheon show. It's yeah. it's really good. It's the Pantheon show. It is. It is. Um, all right, you just want to keep on keep sure. on trucking here? Yeah, man. Casino Boogie is the third song on the fourth song on this album. Excuse me. It was one of the last songs that they wrote yeah. on the album, and the way they put the lyrics together was really cool. Yeah, they like wrote them down all in pieces of paper, and they were like, all right, well, we got this line, we got yeah. this line, we got this line. How about we put it this one here and this one there? And, and just pulled them out of like a hat. And that was like, great. Yeah, I read that earlier this week. I thought that was great. It's so like so different. Yeah. Play like, the song. You can yeah. hear like, I, It sounds like that. They just things out of the hat like he said, said. They, they got it from like a william burroughs novel like yeah Steve i Rosen, read the same thing stuff that yeah. way and um yeah here we'll just play a little bit of it They can sell anything. You can't really like hear yeah. what he's saying. No, you can't. But it's yeah. like everything that's going on in the song and the sound that the song is making. Yeah, is, is all together is, is really becoming something. Yeah, yeah. it's just the way it yeah. makes you feel when you hear it. It's, it's like, like who gives a shit what he's, he's saying? Like, Roy, I can make this work. Yeah, yeah. He I, was, I'll sell this. He said he was kind of like, we got to get this album done. Yeah, and yeah. they just like I'm out of ideas, and they just screw they it. They say like, oh, refrigerator. Uh, yeah. I love lamp. Like it <laughs> sounds. It sounds like they had that hook together. They just didn't know how like the verses were gonna go. Yeah, yeah. so they, they had just. That Screw it, dude. Hey, man, when you're writing songs and you're dried up, you just try to sure. find anything you can. It's very creative. You know, I never knew that until we started doing research on this. Yeah, I didn't And either. you can't really understand what he's saying. Or Like, I, I never looked at the, the liner notes in the album. Is there lyrics written down for on the yeah, jacket? Yeah, not, not on the jackets. Yeah. No. And no. there's a couple songs on this. Like, you can't really hear him yeah. in the mix. Where I think he, that's where the great voices. things about Mick Jagger. He's like, yeah, the <laughs> Mick. <laughs> that's why Mick can like, sell anything. Right. Mick I'll sing. Right, like Steven Tyler's like that too. Like yeah. Steven Tyler yeah. will like, I'm like, gonna put it in that. It doesn't matter. That's in key. Keep it. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter what he's singing, it's how he's singing it, so But I find it um I was reading also about Keith about how Keith records. Keith records over and over and over. I was reading that too. Over and over again. Mick's like, Oh, it's catch the moment and Keith's more like, No man, we gotta just do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it, do it, again. Get do it, it again. the best as we can. That's crazy. He's such a perfectionist. 
That the way I that he is. Uh, yeah, man. I'm that surprised by that. He's such a uh, bohemian in life. He's such a train wreck. At this point, he's such a train wreck yeah. in his life, you know. But I don't think he's, he's a, a pure art. No, no, no. I'm not talking about now. Like apparently, when they're recording oh, this album, recording this album, you know. Yeah. And um, he's a pure artist, man. Perfectionist. They said like the one of the things I was watching too had is the, the producer of the album on it, and they were like. Dude, like time is money, man. Like we we're we're, they don't we're, care we're about weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like, oh, we have to pay taxes, got, man. We don't care about money hey, anymore. We've got two songs done, yeah. and they just didn't care. They're like, we're gonna work at our own pace. And they would have these like, <laughs> you know, those recording sessions. They would start at night, and they would go all friggin' night, sure, yeah, maybe know? days, yeah. And they'd have almost nothing to show for it, or just all these little like scraps and pieces of stuff that it's they like, would. Piece by the together. time we're done, this little baggy. We're going to have three songs. Oh, right. man, we went for these oh. 60s bags, and we only and had that, two. It was that fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Where'd it go? Oh, um, Charlie, did you take my drugs? I was like, let's get, let's get the ball moving. <laughs> I had tea coming. <laughs> <laughs> the last... Uh, the last song, man, on the first album is probably the most famous song on this album, too. This is my favorite Rolling Stones is it? song. Is it? Oh, this is it. This tumbling is it. tumbling, tumbling dice. dice, man. Let's, let's just play it. Yeah. Again, man, I'd be like, who so like would so, play the whole so song? Like it's like magical. Yeah. yeah. They, they they said when they came up with that song, it was automatically like, boys, we have a classic song on sure. our hands. Yeah, I was going to ask you why why that's your favorite Stone song. There's a few different verses in there. I don't know. For some for some reason, I like when he goes six, seven, and nines, yeah. like lucky numbers. And then they say, you could be my partner in crime. Yeah. But the song's about a gambler. Who is having a hard time keeping faithful to his woman? You know, so he's out gambling. He's you know not whoring around, but he's thinking about it. You know? Yeah, I was uh, one of the interviews I read with Mick. He was saying that he didn't know anything about shooting dice, and it was yeah, like that, like a beautiful. housekeeper or something yeah. was talking to him yeah. about it. And he's like, right. oh, just hanging out, talking to her, and it's like, okay, cool. She probably um, didn't know who he was. Probably no, right? No idea. Yeah. The song was initially it had a different title. It was called "Good Time Woman" and mm-hmm. it had some different lyrics. And I guess when they they reissued the uh, like the deluxe edition in like 2010, mm-hmm. they uh, there was a bunch of bonus tracks on the end of it. And the original version is is on there. But Do, now this might be like a question that that none of us would know. I definitely don't know it. Do they always use the same girls for backup? Like the girl that sang for on uh, "Give Me Shelter." Did they? Because you have the girls singing in the background. It kind of sounds a little bit the same. I don't you know? know. I actually started looking into that mm. yesterday, and I uh, didn't find anything in 30 seconds. And yeah, yeah. I, moved like, on, right, move I moved on, on to the yeah. next thing. Uh, I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole, but I, I that crossed my mind. Yeah. If it was it sounds person. like it. I could be completely wrong. They yeah. totally did the, the tracks in the house. But they did all the that California extra, in California. Yeah, they, yeah, they, yeah, they overdubs. It's possible. Overdubs. It's possible. Yeah. It's a it's a great song. It is it is a great song. It's and I said it's my favorite. The- and I just feel like 
it talks to me. Sure. Because I'm a gambler. I gamble in life. Good stuff, man. Uh, side two. Side two. Flip it over. So you, you finish that. You finish with that awesome song. You flip it over. You put it on. And this is what you hear. So different. His, his voice is so sounds so much different than anything else. He sounds like he's album. like he's like he's not, in a hallway or something. Yeah, like that. Like he's it not right like, up on the mic. No. Yeah, he might be like in a clo- like singing in a closet. And the microphone's outside the closet. You know? This is definitely one of those late night jams. Yeah, because uh, this was a big influence with Graham Parsons being around. Sure, this was a big drug binge album. I mean, this song was one of the big drug parts that they put a party that they put a song around. And you can tell it just the way the way that they're presenting the song, the way they're playing it, the way he's singing it. Like you tell yeah. he sounds he sounds a little beat up. Yeah, it's got that, that Western yeah. like dive bar y yeah. kind of kind of sound to it. And yeah, there's always been the rumor that Graham Parsons is one of the voices in the background and Mick says that's not true and you know, mm. who knows. But um there's also uh there's always been like other versions of this song floating around. There's like bootleg versions of all the other singers pulled out or they did one on that uh the hell was that album that acoustic album they came out with stripped, stripped. stripped there's a yeah. version on there yeah that they that was in a casino the soundtrack for mm-hmm. casino yeah. i love the line he says drop your reds drop your greens and blues i hate the speeds inside my shoes yep <laughs> wipe that shit right off your shoe gotta scrape that shit right off your shoe <laughs> there you go Good stuff, man. It's just like yeah, you go from tumbling dice and you go to this this country western. Sound I think that's kind of the tune. other. I think that's the other American music that they fell in love with was country, country western. western. Absolutely, I, I read an article that they really fell in love with like country music toward this. Of course, toward you know when they started recording all this, you know, because they were all influenced by blues. But then they started getting their their feet wet in America and they started like discovering that country music more and more. And it's something that followed them throughout their whole career, in my sure. opinion. You know, with a lot of their writing, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I read Keith's book, and he said how much that he liked, loved country music growing up because of the stories. Yeah. You know? He loved westerns as a kid, you know, like the John Wayne movies and all that. Good stuff, man. Want to keep rolling? Yeah, man. Torn and Frayed is the next song on this album. Let's play 30 seconds of it. has this like soul country thing going for them man just another song we we're playing the the clip of it I, i'm just like kind of nodding my right, head to yeah. it yeah man the i'm just thing, like just get lost in it the thing that i'm wondering did they invent this country rock sound back in the 72s maybe like, you know before like the eagles were around there that's exactly the eagles, yeah that was the yeah. band that exactly went through my head when i was listening sure. to it it's like it sounds Absolutely. like a, like a classic american sound but yeah. it's not 
Yeah. That that Western rock that like yeah, the no, they did e- better than the, the Eagles. Eagles yeah, and, Eagles. You know, maybe like a little little Southern rock kind of sound to yeah. it, like a I don't know, like a Skinner song or something. No, they they loved cruising through the West. The, you know, uh, Bruce, you you were just riding out through there. the West. I could totally picture listening to that. You're just kind of driving the window down and your arm hanging out and sure. driving through like Badlands or something, you know, Badlands National Park or something. Yeah, I I I keep on saying it. I mean the. The sound of this album is unreal, but by the time you hear this song, you're getting the vibe of the album. You're like, "All right, dude, this is not satisfaction. Yeah, this is not um, brown sugar. Yeah, this is not this. This is something different. It has, yeah. has a lot more texture than those songs in my yeah. opinion. Yeah, they were their first like up until this point, man. They were just churning out these like singles after singles after singles yeah. after singles, and yeah. now they come out with like this double album, and this has got a totally different vibe yeah. to it. It's it's unreal what, what they I don't think they they shot out to be a double album I think they captured a lot of things on different sessions and they're like, oh, they couldn't we, figure out how yeah, to cut it down no you yeah. can't you might as well just you, put it both out you could totally hear a lot of these songs maybe that last one too that it was a pack recording it just sounds it sounds yeah. it sounds great and there's a couple like some of the other albums like you you look at it there's like three four five like smash hits on yeah you know this one only has a like yeah if you're a casual fan you know tumbling dice you you might know sweet virginia you might know happy yeah there's like but there's not like a ton of like if you're a casual stones fan you don't know a lot of this stuff uh we were uh me and ryan were listening to this album together and i'm like like this that he's like man a lot of people don't know these songs and going back to like dude this is like common knowledge shit and ryan's like no dude these aren't like really popular songs to me they're popular yeah these are timeless songs right well we're socialites so you know like this is true yeah man it just amazes me that how many people do not know these these songs it's not like this album got the popular popular like sticky fingers did it's it is like the stones underground album maybe it's even their white album maybe that's a very good point. you know that's a very good point yeah we didn't it's like a bluesy fucking white album but it was it was big i said it went like top of the chart in like six countries and sure. you know the places like the united states england canada stuff like that but it was also like critic it had like a weird relationship like critics kind of were like eh when it came out and yeah. then as time has passed it's you know, now it's on every yeah, list of like, yeah, yeah. you know, greatest albums of all time. But yeah. it was like when it came out, man, it wasn't like this shoot. People weren't like, oh my God, the Stones, another album. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was definitely something different for them. And it worked. I, I maybe in record sales, maybe it wasn't what they were going for, but for the legend and the stories and everything behind these songs, it became like this big phenomenon. Yeah. Yeah. What they were working against, even the one, you know. But you got to think where they were like in the public eye. You know, after coming out off the all that bad press they had, the guy getting murdered and this and that, and you know, just being busted for drugs left and right. You know, so I don't think the um, especially America had this huge love affair with the Rolling Stones at this point. I think they they loved their their bad boy shit. Yeah, like, the right, kids did. Right at this point, Mick got married. Yeah, you know, but that famous marriage. Yeah, he with like Bianca. Disa- yeah, he like left. Yeah, right yeah. for a while. Yeah, and he just. Was like, hey, I'm getting married. I have a kid coming. Right. And He's we didn't like, even mention, too. I'm sorry. Go yeah, ahead. go for it. We just said, I mean, Brian Jones died, too. Sure. Like, yeah. under questionable yeah. shit. So, like, these, yeah. they really are, like, the bad guys yeah. of music. Yeah. It definitely the the first bad boys of rock and roll. Yeah. 
Let's finish this side up, guys. All right, man. We oh, got, no, no. We got two we more got songs. two more songs. All right. Well, oh, we'll get right to on. This next one's one of my favorite songs on the album. Is it? I love it. Sweet the, Black Angel? Yeah. Um, it's about a woman named Angela Davis. She, you know, have you like, read she, about her at yeah, all, Bruce? a little bit. Like, yeah, yeah. She was like an activist and all that. Yeah. Well, she, she was imprisoned. What she, what she did was she purchased these guns um, that were ultimately used in a murder in protest of, oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, you're right. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. This, this is our, the yeah. Solid Brothers movement. Yeah, um, the inmates charged murder with murdering a white prison guard named John Vincent Mills at a California at a California prison in January 16, 1970. So the trial was going on. So. A young man broke into the into the room, into the judge room, like the and, courthouse, in the courthouse, and blew the judge away. Yeah. So whatever, whatever, whatever. Who got these guns? She purchased them. This this Angela Davis. She purchased the guns, so they charged her with manslaughter and murder and all this stuff. So she went on the run. You know, she was like she was for a minute there. She she was like on FBI's top sure. list. Yeah. And she was like a member of like the Communist Party in the United mm. States. So I mean, she's yeah. probably like at this point, you know, the early seventies, late sixties. I mean, like the FBI doesn't, you know, communism still very much frowned upon. Yeah, and, and it was what's really funny. This is the only political song that the Rolling Stones had. Correct. And matter of fact, I think Mick Jagger actually went on a march to support her. It, like or her release or wanting her release or something but like going back to like you know the rolling stones is not a political band whatsoever and here they are writing a political song well they what were influenced were them they were in a room and there was a poster on the wall okay and mix like she's not a rock and roll star she's not an actress yeah she's just like that and there's posters of her they're making her like a pop a pop culture yeah. she's a sweet black yeah. angel not a gun-toting teacher not yeah. a red love and school marm Ain't someone gonna set free her? Free to sweet black slave, free to sweet black f- slave. That's from the from the song. Can we hear the song? Yeah, man, it's got a, like a real like a kind of a Caribbean vibe to it, like a totally like a you know. Here, I think that's playing. where they were at though. Yeah, they were they were in the south of France. I love Keith's background. Yeah. yeah, there's like some instruments the too that like you haven't heard yet. Yeah, yeah. But, you know whatever yeah, the that bongos that in there. yeah the bongos yeah. and the yeah. whatever that zipper sounding thing is. The, the rhythm of that song is just it's Caribbeanish, but it's so great though. It's like there's little offbeats and like it's just those two guys. I love how they yeah. sing together on that track. Yeah. It's yeah. beautiful. It really is absolutely beautiful. It's like you, you listen to it, like and you you listen to it as a whole. You're like, oh, this is a pretty happy going song. And then you do the research and you read what it's about, and you're like, holy shit, yeah, this is a deep song. The, she was arrested, and it took like a year before she went. Like it went to trial, and she was acquitted, but she sat in jail yeah. for over yeah. a year. That sounds about That's right. When he was like, no. what the hell? Yeah, that sounds know, about right. They couldn't on? find yeah. her. She was hiding in New York City. <laughs> <laughs> they couldn't find and her. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Yeah. Basically, I'm sure. That's the best way to be. 
right, man. So this, uh, I get to finish the the first album. Yeah. Side two was uh, the song "Loving Cup." Now this is one of their greatest songs they ever written. Let's let's listen to it. Yeah. Let's check it out. Uh, Ryan, I want to ask you a question, man. Is it, is it, yeah, dude. What makes Charlie Watts so good? Simple. Absolutely. The simpleness of his playing, that's what makes it. He does exactly what the song needs. That's to me, is a great drummer. Because he didn't have like a real elaborate drum kit. No, he right? played yeah, a four like, piece set. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> we all saw the, uh, when they did the Zoom call, the pandemic thing, and he was playing like a bucket. Yeah. You know, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, 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 this song was one of the only songs I wasn't recorded in France. The song was recorded at the Olympic Sound Studios in London during the Let It Bleed sessions. Nice. Um, it sounds kind of something off Let It Bleed, in sure. my opinion. Yeah. I, circling back real quick on Charlie Watts, man. Like when he when he died, I saw it was a quote from Keith Richards, and I wish I would have saved it because it was so cool. And I went looking for it, I couldn't find it. He said like Charlie Watts built a stage that I can dance on with my guitar yeah, or something sure. like I'm I'm doing a, a shit job yeah, trying yeah. to but I was like I get the gist of it, yeah. I was like man that's so like again just Keith Richards just spot on can you imagine them that they probably can't imagine themselves being out there without Charlie they've been with them for close to 60 years and, and you think about it like there's only three guys really to play on all the Rolling Stones albums it's Keith Mick and Charlie yeah. sure you know yeah now their whole career Man, yeah. I love the song. What, what no, it? I'm just like, I saw like a, another picture of the Stones, like all four of them. And somebody was like, out of the four of them, Charlie Watts is the only one who dresses like somebody his age. <laughs> you know, they're all like, yeah, the rock and roll stars. Yeah. Right, right. I'm going like, to tell a great Charlie Watts story. Um, one night, Mick Jagger's out drinking. He's out. This is like the, it's one of the greatest rock and roll He's out there stories. drinking. He's having a great time. He's Mick Jagger. He's living the life. He goes back to the hotel that all the Stones are staying in, and he's down in the bar. Mick's screaming and yelling, get my drummer down here. Get my drummer down here and have a drink with me right now. So they call up to Charlie. He hears him in the background. It's like, all right, I'll be down. Charlie's like, all right, motherfucker. Gets dressed up to the T, gets all cleaned up like a gentleman and Englishman that he is. He goes downstairs, he sees Mick Jagger, and he punches him in the fucking mouth. <laughs> but he polished his shoes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He put on a three-piece yeah. suit. Yeah. But the greatest line he says to Mick, he's like, I'm not your drummer. I'm the drummer of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you're my singer. Yeah. Love like, it. That just, yeah. like, Charlie didn't have to, to be a rock star. No. He was the, the rock of the band. Like he held all those songs down, man, sure. and that's what makes a great drummer. I, you know, I think me and Ryan, like Ringo's Ringo. You know what I mean, and Charlie's Charlie, but Charlie's better than Ringo. Oh, Charlie's yeah. so, definitely that, way better that, than yeah. Ringo. Absolutely. Charlie's better same than a lot of, of same kind of drummer. Just did nah. exactly what the song needs and just keep it together. Charlie's a way better drummer, but absolutely. But what I mean by that, saying they're both their style is they their jobs the same in both those bands. It, you know, they they just keep it rolling. <laughs> Yeah, and I love that yeah. the Stones like I mean they are so they are very American, you know, and yeah. they're the blues in the country. But Charlie Watts is is uh, 
an Englishman. You know, he's yeah, he's not even sure. a Brit. He's an Englishman. Englishman yeah. And yeah. he's a gentleman. He's yeah. this jazz drummer in this rock and roll band. Yeah. You know? And wow. you've got guys like, like Keith Richards, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, writes all this iconic music, and he, like, even hearing him talk about what Charlie meant to that band. Like, sure. Uh, you need all four of them to make the sounds that they made, man. But it yeah. was like, Charlie was just, uh, they called it, like, he was the engine. He was yes. the engine of the greatest rock and roll band of yeah. all time. You don't have a good band without a good drummer. Yeah. It, it's, it's very it, true. I say it all the time. Yeah. Um, he is going to be missed in rock and roll. It was a sad day in rock and roll that he died. Yeah. And it's it's, it's such a shame. But even... Like, you go on Facebook and you saw all these other acts, like, issuing statements and talking yeah. about, like, how highly just everybody in rock and roll, man, just looked yeah. up to him and the, what he did and what he meant to music. Yeah. Can I show you a version of Loving Cup on there? Yeah, dude. Let's do it. Fish does a great version of Loving Cup. If you write it up, Loving Cup on Spotify, Fish will come up. And they are, this is one of their famous covers that they yeah. do in their live shows. They played the last night of... Um the Baker's Dozen. Okay. Uh, I see a version that says Loving Cup Live. And it's, yep, they, that's okay. it. Yeah, right, just play go. it up. All right, let's do it. I'm the plowman in the valley With a face full of mud Yes, I am stumbling And I know my car won't start Yes, I am fumbling and I know I play a bad guitar They do their own thing, they, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's a different, thing. it's a real different yeah. vibe from yeah. it. Yeah, I love it though. So do I. It's I, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite yeah. covers that they do. Yeah, awesome guys. That's it. That's the first half, man. Yeah, we got man. through that in an hour. Look at our efficiency. Yeah, wow. we're like the Charlie Watts of podcasters. We're <laughs> yes. just simple and efficient. So, right um, on. Let's take a break, yeah, and man. we'll come back, and we'll talk about the second half, and then uh, we'll do the news. We got some feedback in the electric chair. Okay. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, all right, all right. We are back. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us, man. We're going to jump into sides three and four of this amazing album from the Rolling Stones. Man, I scored some of that pink heroin. Is that you walk in the bathroom for? Yeah. We're going to do this next uh, this next segment in five minutes. <laughs> we're going to talk, <laughs> talk about the next eight songs in five minutes. This this next song is one of my favorite Stone songs, man. It's Happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a Keith song, yeah. which I love it more. Yeah. That was by accident, right? I think it was on purpose. I think he said, fuck you, Mick. I'm going to sing this song. Yeah. I, the story was, he said that he was just jamming and Mick wasn't there and, and Bobby Keys was there and Jimmy Miller was there and they just kind of came up with the song. But I yeah. they could have seen it. There's always been a little push and shove yeah. between Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. On this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Keith plays bass, bass and guitar on this and yeah. vocals. Uh, he was doing the song during one of his drunk 
drug binges. So he was up for three days, and he was working, working, working. And he finally came up with this riff, Happy. He said, we did that song in the afternoon in only four hours, cut and done. At noon, it had never existed. At four o'clock, it was on tape. So it was done, and then Mick Jagger shows up. And Mick's like, what the fuck? Hey, mate. Ah, yeah. it's whatever, whatever. Mix like, all right. It's already in the can. Yeah. And but, then, it'd be, then it was a single, too. It was like the second, yeah, the second yeah. cut that they released. But and, what's awesome about what Mick does is the background vocals. But he didn't do that until he got to California, right? I'm not sure, but yeah, Mick's like, that. all right, yeah. motherfucker, I'll show yeah. you. Yeah. This is your song. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's a Stone song. I yeah, the, the relationship of the two of them just made me think of the... Uh, there's a Saturday Night Live skit where Mick Jagger plays Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. so great, yeah. man. I watched it uh, after Charlie when Charlie Watts passed away. It's so it's fucking like, funny, you ignorant <laughs> slut. <laughs> it's so fucking Mick. funny, and he's like passed out in the corner yeah. and everything. Yeah. He said he's blowing smoke and he's ashing yeah. on him. <laughs> Play happy. All right, let's do it. There's everything some, yeah. about that song. There's something like just the way the guitar, like what, or the way it progresses, and yeah. it gets like those notes, like like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a normal like chord progression. It's like it sounds like backwards to yeah, me. Yeah, maybe almost. it's one of those maybe. weird five string chords. Yeah, it just it just sounds different. But when I hear it, I'm like, I just immediately associate that sound with the Stones. That's like one like one of the highlights of a Stone show when. When uh, Keith does that song, I get yeah. like really excited. If you're fortunate enough to ever see them, and yeah. he just owns it, like he just yeah. owns the whole the whole yeah. stadium. He when comes he out, comes, yeah, he'll do this and maybe TNA. Yeah, um, I've always liked a couple songs that they like. I like the, they I, let him sing on. Let stuff. him sing. Yeah, <laughs> they I, let yeah. him sing. Why not? He, he did a song yeah. on Bridges to Babylon that I really yeah. liked. Yeah. Like um, through and through on uh, on um, Voodoo yeah. Lounge. That's hands down my favorite Stone song of all time. But I love when Keith sings. I love his voice. I love what he brings to the table. He's like, he's like, obviously Johnny Depp got the pirate character off of him. Oh, absolutely. And that's what, yeah. it, and that's yeah. what it seems like. He goes up there and hey, yeah. hey you're doing a big. Yeah. I seen. I'm him. just happy to be anywhere. I <laughs> saw him. Nice one time, I saw him one time in Philadelphia at Veterans Stadium, and he comes out. He says, "Hello, Philadelphia." You still smell the same. <laughs> That's great. He says, "Like oh, it's nice. It's nice to be here." He's like, "It's nice to be anywhere." <laughs> All right, man. Next is uh, the, the the song with the. Are we done talking about happy? Yeah, yeah. you can never right. ever get done talking about happy, happy. But we must move on. Yeah. The next <laughs> song has uh, turn on the run. Turn on the run, man. I, this is probably it's the strange song, title. Like, yeah, if you don't know the Stones, you're like, really? This is a song that they have called "Turn on the Run." I thought it was yeah. like a parody of like. The Paul McCartney Wings song, like Band on the Run. Yeah. Let's play it. All right. Grab 
I love that song. I do too, man. So I, the, it's like the, a title, the title sucks, but it's where like... Did, where did they get the title? I have no idea. They got weird songs, titles, like Short and Hairy. Yeah. There's a song called Short and Hairy and Star Star, which is supposed to be Star Fucker <laughs> on the girls' album, the Some Girls' album, which is one of my favorite Rolling Stones albums. I saw that uh, Fish has covered this too. Fish is... This is how awesome Fish is. Every Halloween, they cover a different album by a different artist. One year, it was Dark Side of the Moon. One year, it was the Talking Heads. And one year, they did Exile on Main Street. Oh, really? So that's they, did it, they did it in its completeness. Do you have a copy of that? No. I've tried to find I'm sure it's out there like on the internet. I don't have a copy of it. It's not on Spotify. I tried to find it. So if you're out there... And you happen to have a copy. Send us a copy. Bootleg, uh, bootleg. The good trade, old days. Trading, right, the trading good old tapes. Days. Um, yeah, man. Again, like you said, like hold down. Like you're in a dive bar somewhere, and that's just there's some band that's just just sh- fucking getting after it with that sure. harmonica. You hear him playing the harmonica, and I could just people like, yeah, get after it. You know, just uh, getting Mick, all fired up. Mick can play the harmonica, man. Keith was like, you know, Mick. He, they like you said, they bash each other all the time. He's like Mick. He's a he's a good singer, but he's not a good musician. <laughs> he's a guy. He's he an plays, okay. He's an okay play for harmonica yeah. for a white boy. Plays okay. All right, let's that's that's turn on the <laughs> turn on the. Run, I love though. it. I love it. Exile wouldn't be with without it, dude. Every song should have a. Every album should have a song with turd in it somewhere. So it's my right juvenile, my juvenile sense of humor. <laughs> this next song's my favorite. One of my other favorites on this album. This is a great song, man. I read an article that said this song is a box of rusty nails. Yes. And I'm like, yes, that's great. Ventilator blues. Let's play it. I had to make sure to get some of the sax in there. It's a, it's like I like it's a classic Keith riff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, dude. And, 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 uh, and another thing, <clears throat> excuse me. Like you asked Ryan, like you know, is Charlie Watts that good? It's perfect when he's playing it. He's just playing like a hi hat, and then he comes on with the off beats. It well, makes the awesome, song. What's awesome about it is Bobby Keys, the saxophone sure. player. He came up with the rhythm for that, yes. that song. Yes, and he so it, he's yeah. like. like Charlie Watts is like, I can't play that. He's like, son, you're a Rolling Stone. You're yeah. So he stood next to him and was like the, the tempo. Clapping his hands. Clap it and help Charlie out on on the song for rhythm. And then yeah. Bobby Keys is like, I taught Charlie Watts how to play something. <laughs> there you go. Give me, but it's give me a though. drink. Yeah, but it's great, though. It's, yeah, man. It's, that, like when it's, it's an important song on this album. Like, and if you ever watch an interview with Keith Richards, like, he's got that real smoke. He's like, <laughs> like, he kind of laughs in this other. Yeah. I could just see that. I could see him just going like, yeah, baby, just... Yeah, he's he's ringing those notes out of the guitar, and I could yeah. just I could just picture him in my head. Like, it's a, like I said, it's a classic Keith riff. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Can I read a quote from Charlie Watts? Please, Please from two thousand three. He said, uh, "We always rehearse Ventilator Blues for the tour. It's a great track, but we never play it as well as we did the original. Something will not be quite right. Either Keith will play it a bit differently, or I'll do something wrong." It's a fabulous number, but a bit of a tricky one. Bobby Keys wrote the rhythm part, which is a clever part of the song. Bobby said, 
why don't you do this? And I said, I can't play that. So Bobby stood next to me and clapped the whole time. I followed his timing. In the words of Take 5, it's no problem. But in the world of the Rolling Stones, it's different different altogether. Hmm. But it's it's um they they capture lightning in the bottle with that song yeah. like like you said like it's a fabulous song can you pull it off live oh, sometimes yeah. you can sometimes you can't you and know mixed voices like doubled up yeah too and it, you don't hear that a lot no in, that's in something this album yeah it's something different they experimented a little yeah. bit yeah little little different than what they were doing I would think it'd be really hard to do that live yeah. I would love it to hear that it live. Be, yeah, but it wouldn't be an easy one. No. Yeah. It'd be a hard one for them to to play it for. Yeah, the, the the tempo's different than it yeah. was anything yeah. else on the... It's like a plotting kind of... But do you think like people at a show would dig that? Like, you know, going back to this isn't a very, very famous song. Yeah. Like, Stones guys, yeah. Like, people like the... The guys from Shadoobie Club, yeah, 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 be all no, about abso- it. No, absolutely. But like, you have like the soccer moms, and they say, "I want to hear." They would have out what the hell's going. Yeah, exactly. They'd be like, "Oh, what's?" But what's then there's this? like white boys like you and me, be like, "I can't believe they're playing this song." <laughs> yeah, I think you would know that they don't play it very often yeah. live, and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I think I'm, my head, I'm seeing a special I moment." My head would pop off. Yeah, I think it's very hard. Like, like I read, Charlie said they don't do it very well live because it's because they can't play it. It, it, they can't. They can't do it justice. Yeah, playing a lot because the recording caught it. Yeah, that's what I love about one takes. Mm-hmm. You get it, and you'll never play it the same way again. Yeah, awesome stuff. Cool, man. I just want to see his face. Is the next song? It's the thirteenth song on this album. I love this song too, man. Here you go. Yeah, that has like a Phil Spector kind of like little feel to it. Like they're kind of channeling like maybe like the Supremes kind of thing. It's it's very different from anything they ever really. Yeah, somebody I read somebody described it as like a Ronette's album, exactly without like yeah, without Phil Spector looking over their shoulder or something. Yeah, but it sounds like that's what the sound like. That sounds like that sound. Yeah, man, the drums on that are just great. It was said that. the presence of Billy Preston during the final recording sessions in Los Angeles that really captured that recording. I, I'm sure maybe a lot of it was recorded in, in France in the in the basement. Yeah. But you really hear like that fuzz keyboard in there. The keyboard really the yeah. keyboard and the drums are the two yeah. things. Like you put them together, man. It's just a, it's just such a different vibe than anything else that's on this album. I feel that song gets lost in this album for a lot of people. Kind of stands yeah. out. It's like yeah. different. Yeah. But yeah, you know Jagger sings on it, and he plays. He's playing the electric piano on it. Mick Taylor plays the bass on it. Bill Plummer plays the upright bass. So you got two different bass plays going hmm. on. Sure, that's pretty awesome. It's de- like I said, it's definitely different. It's different for this album. Yeah, definitely a different sound. And then the last song on the third side, man, is "Let It Loose." Let's hear. All dressed up. To do your home. 
That song's been like channeled, channeled later in their career, also off of like on Voodoo Lounge. A song called I think I think it might be Blinded by Rainbows, but um, that's a very familiar vibe that the Stones kind of revisited over the years. They were they were um, influenced. They were Mick was going to concerts by a gospel singer named James Cleveland, and he was really impressed by singing gospel choir. And this is what influenced for this song. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it's a different song on on yeah. for this album. Yeah, it's it, for a gospel songish to be on this hardcore dirty album. Yeah, like, where know. they're recording it and everything yeah. that's going on. And you're right, I you know what I, mean? I had like, never thought of that that it does have that later Stones kind yeah, of they, they vibe. revisit it. Yeah, but maybe they got to this part like you know how you said like the, this is kind of weird for this dirty. I mean, maybe they were like, man, we're all going to hell, and this like. We, we, we all need to go to rehab and We need to get right with the Lord. Yeah. You know, James, the Reverend James Cleveland, um, he was a, he helped Aretha Franklin do her gospel album, Amazing Grace, which is one of the best selling gospel albums yeah. of all time. And also the, um, the the piano in that song it's uh, Dr. John that's is, amazing is that's amazing like, yeah. that's he great. Was great I yeah. love Doc. Dr. John yeah. is one of the like I've underrated s- I've seen him in oh, really? before he died yeah that's awesome I was lucky enough to see him yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he just shows up on this album. Yeah. Oh, I hear you had that pink stuff. Right. Let me go here. <laughs> right. Yeah. There was a party going on. Dr. John showed up. Yeah. Someone called a doctor. And he shows up on the gospel album. You know? Yeah, I mean, God bless him. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's for the third side. And then you got four songs that bring it home on side four. I love the first song on side four. All Down the Line? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a great song. Let's check it out and talk about it. Keith is so awesome on slide, man. Yeah, he's great. He has such a sound, man. I feel like that song sounds like the most like classic rock, traditional rock, and you know, it's a, like it's got a little bit of a blues vibe, but it's not as I don't know, it's not as slow as some of the other stuff we've heard. It just I don't know. I I, I can't it's, I can't put my finger on it. It but. has a vibe to it. It has like a sl- if you, I guess if you're in heroin and yeah. real drugs, you, I guess it, it you know you you feel the vibe, but. For sober guys like us. Oh, yeah. You know? But, I, you know, like, as we're sitting here listening to this album, like, you know, I think definitely, like, Keith is definitely the MVP of this album. He makes it's these songs. It's his album. They, yeah. they say he it. makes these songs. Like, yeah. you know, every song you hear, like I said a thousand times during this episode, it's a classic Keith riff. Mm-hmm. You know, and that song, the beginning of that song. And what's great about that, you know, you hear it coming in, and you expect it to come in, and it doesn't come in yet. Yeah. If that makes sense. You know, it's just. Yeah. But, yeah, this is Keith's album. Yeah. 
This yeah, is like I've just by listening album. to it. I've heard that too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, that that was just me just sitting here thinking like this album wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for Keith Richards <clears> on this album. It sucks that all down the line was one of the songs that Alan Klein got hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Klein sued them over songs and won, which is more crazy. And Alan Klein put it out a greatest hits album with his songs on it that yeah. he owned. It was called More Hot Rocks. Oh, really? Yeah. So you ever see that More Hot Rocks? That's the Alan Fine. That's his version of the greatest hits. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, man. Yeah. You go back to listen to the Beatles Stones episode. We talked about. It. I talked about him for like five minutes. Of what a scumbag. Yeah, he you kind of went off on him. Yeah, I kind of like saying yeah, he was. About it. He was a turd. He he should have been the turd on the run. He is the turtle. He's a shitbag of the week. He Again. MVP. Two-time shitbag of the week. Congratulations. I think he joins a like Turner is being the only yes, other. Two that's time, right. Two-time right. shitbag of the week. We should get a little like uh, like shitbag of the week. <laughs> 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 and there it is. I will, I will isolate that and that will be it from now on. Well done. Yes. I'm here to impress. <laughs> we are here to educate and entertain. Uh, three songs left, man. Stop breaking down. This is a great song. This is a cover. This is a this Robert is Johnson cover. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. I didn't know that until I was pulling together my notes. Um, yeah, man, let's play a little bit of it. Let's play the Robert Johnson version. Here's the Stones version. Man, Keith is the fucking man. I keep yeah. we keep on saying it and yeah. saying it and saying it. He He's just proves about, it over yeah. and over again on this on this album with his licks. I, mean, I know it's a cover, but yeah. he really does make it's it his a, own. This that's a song like you, you need to listen to with a set of headphones on because there's yeah, all there's this a, other there's all there, this there shit a, going on. There was an effect in there that I heard like, on his voice. Yeah, you know what I mean, like it was weird. Can we hear the original? Yeah, dude. Here's the Robert Johnson version. Every time I'm walking down the street. Some pretty mama's not breaking down with me, stop breaking down. Yeah, stop breaking down. The stuff I got a bunch of brains out, baby. It'll make you lose your mind. I can't walk the streets now, Robert Johnson is the king of rock and roll. He he really did invent it, man. Like that swing, you can't miss Scott. You can't not say it. Yeah, we got to talk about him a lot in the blues episode that we did. He's like a, he's like a, a like a, a legend more than anything. Like he was more of a folk hero to all these rock and rollers. You know, even to me, it's like it's just, he doesn't even seem like he was a real person. Yeah, Keith. I mean, you listen to Keith Richards talk about him too. Like, I mean, he's yeah. had a huge influence on Keith Richards. Sure, yeah. There's another version of that that's wicked that I haven't that I just came across. It's the White Stripes doing the same song. Can we hmm. hear a little bit of yeah, it? Yeah, I've never heard this before, so it's let's check rocking, it out. Dude. Is it? Yeah, right, here we go.
Dude, Jack White's the fucking man. They got yeah. they have such a huge He's sound. The fucking man. Yeah, there's so much like fuzz on that guitar, yeah. but it just sounds like. Everything, everything, he, everything he does sounds like that, and he's fucking great. Man. Yeah, I love. Dude, yeah, I came. He in, does, man. I came across that, and I was like, "We got to play this on this show." That's also. badass. Yeah, I'd never heard that before, but I was. Pretty yeah, I never cool. heard that either. Yeah, but the original version, "Stop Breaking Me Down," um, was recorded in the last sessions that Robert Johnson did in 1937. Wow! So this is one of the last songs he recorded. He recorded. Yeah, man. But like the Stones do it, and they make it their own. I think sure. if you're if you're great blues band or just band you take it and you make it your own sure the the stones did it and obviously the white stripes did a great job doing their sound of that song i might like i might like the white stripes version a little better than the stones version yeah man it's, it's, it's that cool. fuzz the yeah. fuzz sound on it was big yeah yeah, yeah they're man. they're a cool band two songs left shine a little light yeah brian jones this is the song that they wrote for brian jones after he died yeah here we go. Let's check it out. It's like I, I didn't know that song was dedicated to him. I was like, oh, sorry, it's your band. We're gonna throw you out. And they killed they, him. And they killed him. No, they didn't. That's they, a shame for me to say that. And we're gonna write that's a song awful. about him. No, I think that, it's a, I think it's a you. great I think it's a great song. Yeah. I never knew it was about him also yeah. until I was doing the research about this song. But Do they have like a liner that like is out? They they mention him like dedicated to No, to him it was all. from the research that I did. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I that song to me is uplifting. No, it, absolutely. It has a yeah, great it always has been. Shine a light, man. What what is more yeah. uplifting than that? Yeah. Shine a light. Have you ever seen that that uh Scorsese Shine a Light? Did you catch catch it? Yeah, that, I think that so. Show? Yeah, that show's great. The yeah, soundtrack's great. It was that is a great soundtrack. I mean I I love that theater that they did. Yeah. That whole thing. There's like the documentary or the movie and like Bill Clinton shows up because they're in they're in Harlem. Mm-hmm. In, in the, his offices were in, in Harlem. His and all that. was in Harlem. Yeah, that's where I was getting. Is that the is that the one when Jack White actually comes up and plays? Yes, with it? Jack what White so, plays. What, do you remember what song Jack White played with them on that? Yeah, one? it was probably the the one that we were just talking about. Yeah, that'd be kind of yeah. Now that we're sitting here talking about it, I th- I don't know I I don't know what it was, but I hope it was "Stop Breaking Me Down." Yeah, but that's a great soundtrack. I listen to that kind of often, like yeah. when I'm cleaning toilets at the bar. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> clean the shitter. <laughs> but uh. That was also one of the uh, songs that uh, that that shitbag Alan Klein got awesome. sued him, got got the rights for, and uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, it's 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 cool. I think the song's kind of like it's slow to get started, but then once mm. the uh, the keys yeah. come in, I was yeah. like, I I start digging the vibe. But, but it's it, an anthem. You go see them, like you know, the whole stadium sings in it. Yeah, yeah. It's pr- pretty much toward the end of the show, usually, like. Quarter to half end of the show, and people really get into it. Mm-hmm. They enjoy it. Last song, man, Soul Survivor. This is a, a great ending to this album, this double album. Let's check it out. Yeah. 
you know, it feels like this album, like it starts off real heavy. It starts, in, but by the time you get to the end of it, I feel, I feel that you kind of get worn out from the, the, the musical journey, I guess, not to sound cheesy, but you kind of go through what these guys have gone through making this album with it, these 18 songs. It's and definitely get worn out. It's definitely know? an experience. Yeah. You know, you're definitely living through something when you're listening to it. Like you got your ups and you, you got your ups, you got your down, you middles, and then you're it's like down. drugs. Exactly, it's, it's like, like all drugs. the drugs they were doing. Yeah. They got uppers, they got downers, they got reds, Six they eggs. got blues, <laughs> they got horse, they got coke. <laughs> and it's got that. It definitely has. That's another song with that Keith Richards just signature sound. Sure, yeah. the guitar yeah. work on it. Yeah, unreal guys. Yeah, man, that's a good one. This man. whole album, I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a. It's just a fucking great rock and roll album. Um, and that's what it is. It's a rock and roll album. Mm-hmm. A lot of maybe Stone's albums were less rock and roll albums as the years went on. Hmm. But this one, man, this is as true to rock and roll as you can get. Would you say this is like their last major rock and roll album now that you just make that statement? No, I, I think Goat's Head Soup was a good yeah. one. I thought It's Only Rock and Roll was a good one. Anything with Mick Taylor, those exactly. years yeah, were we didn't fucking really, awesome. Like, I, you know, we were sitting there listening to songs. We keep on talking about Keith. We didn't say too much about Mick. Well, Mick Taylor, Mick like, was he's still new. Great, dude. he was still new yeah. in the guys, and they were throwing a bone here and there. He only has like one writing credit on the whole album, yeah. but dude, he's a monster guitar player. Like he's, he yeah. wrote. Like uh, me, Ryan, and I were talking, and we're talking about Mick Taylor. He's like, yo, you know, Ronnie Wood's my man. But Mick Taylor did everything important he did. with the Rolling Stones. Rolling, I mean, the Rolling Stones in the 70s were all Mick Taylor. Yeah. It's a shame he couldn't... He couldn't hang he with couldn't the drugs. Hang he with couldn't them. hang with no. them. He was going too crazy. He had his drug addictions during this whole yeah. recording of this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, there was a rumor there that he was so high on heroin that he tried to break up the Rolling Stones. He, he, told, <laughs> he said that he was all fucked up on heroin, but he said something to... to to Charlie and the, to Bill Wyman. Like, they can go out and have their own band. Oh, real? They're like, yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah. They're like, all right. They They're like, who are you? They're like, oh, you're, oh, you're that new kid. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, well, that's, he's, he blames it on the drugs that he was on. But, yeah, I read that article. Yeah, it's funny stuff. It's crazy. But yeah, everything that everything great that the Rolling Stones did, Mick Taylor's playing guitar for them. Well, or with them. yeah, in the 70s. In the 70s. Before like, Ronnie I, Wood came And in. I love Ronnie Wood. Like, yeah, but he's I no love, Mick Taylor. He is no Mick Taylor, yeah. but I love Ronnie Wood. You get, did you listen to um, Liz Fair's album? No, Exile no, in Guyville. No, so that's it's Exile in Guyville is supposed to be Liz Fair's response, like song by song response, really to Exile on Main Street. It's a great album. I mean, the last couple of things that she's put out has been shit. How how old is it? Do you think it was in the early nineties? Okay, um, and she was kind of like an indie. Uh, she's not that like the Liz. What, what's her name? Liz Fair. Is that like the the, the fucking concert? No. The Liz Fair? Whatever no. the fuck that no, was No, no, that's uh, Lilith Fair. Oh, okay, my bad. No, yeah. it was um the album came out in ninety three. And it's been on like Rolling Stone it's on Rolling Stone's like five hundred greatest albums of all time. But it's supposed to be like her I don't know, she listened to it and was like it's such a guy dominated thing and she tried to write like it's like female power. It's it's a cool album though for like nineties. Does it go like song for song, like a response it's, to every song? Not it's not eighteen. It actually it is eighteen tracks. So yeah, she wonder, writes a, she I, writes gonna, a song to response to. Each I'm gonna have one. to listen to it and see if it follows the same like blueprint, like song for song. Like I'm not gonna feel. listen to it. Well, we're not gonna play. It. We're definitely not gonna <laughs> fucking not, play it. Yeah, I think it's up there with Kate Bush, guys. <laughs> no, it's a better. It's a it's a cool album. Um, I, I, I definitely like have to give it a listen. But, but it's more. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's I'll better just, than Kate Bush, people. I won't say anything else about mm-hmm. it if I get no, in more get trouble. Listen. 
Yeah, it's it's worth checking out. I said, don't listen to. She had like one song that was popular, like a pop hit. I don't like, remember in the late nineties. Yeah. It, it was not good. I but. totally know she has like some hardcore street credit like for was, that album. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It's, I know it, the cover. I know the album cover. I never knew it had anything to do with Exile. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a response to it. So. Oh, cool. Uh, she's anyway. that important. She got she got to do it. There you go. So that's it, man. That is the it stones. Is, yeah. This was I. I really I say this almost every week, man. I just I really love doing the research of this and yeah. learning the story behind. I knew it. there was a story behind this album. That's why I pushed for it. Yeah, and go you know go check out the Stones in Exile. The documentary came out a couple of years ago. It was cool. Like they went back to the house and they yeah. were standing in the basement talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, this is the room where we did everything. Just really cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they make rock and roll albums like this anymore. No, no, it's like it's illegal. It's yeah, right. It's, yeah, especially getting thrown out of England. Right. And yeah, you know, and having kids kids rolling joints for you. Jesus Christ. Yes, that was decadent, man. Yeah, crazy stuff, man. So I got some second thoughts. I did an appearance on episode sixty five of the Bend and Scoop podcast, and uh, just got to talk about the show. It's great, and uh, you know, just they asked me some questions about kind of stuff we're listening to, and and got to plug the show. So I wanted to. Uh, you know, plug them. I really appreciated getting to spend a couple of minutes with those guys and, and just talking about what we're doing over here. And then we got some feedback on our guitar picks episode. So on uh, Twitter, Hans Carl, he's actually a music composer uh-huh. in Los Angeles. He chimed in and gave us his six picks. He picked Eddie Van Halen, The Edge, Mick Ronson, who we didn't talk about at all from mm-hmm. Bowie's band. Oh, he's great. Randy Rhodes. And Rusty Anderson, who I didn't know, he's actually um, he was the lead guitarist with. He's done a shit ton of work with McCartney. So, okay. oh, I know a, who he is. So, okay, yeah. Um, mm. I just thought that was cool. The Warden, Rob Owens. Who uh, cares? Who cares? Next, <laughs> next. I'm only kidding. He, he chimed in. He said his picks were Slash, Eddie Van Halen, David Gilmore, Brian May, Jimi Hendrix, and Clapton. The guy from Coldplay wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> And then we also heard from Jackie from Seattle. So it's always always good to hear from Jackie. She just said, hell yeah, another great episode. The concert stories you guys tell are so thrilling. I share your musical passion. And then she said, no music, K-N-O-W, music, you know life. No music, N-O, no life. That's true. Absolutely true, man. I love it. Very well said. Thank you for always getting to us, man. You're the best. Love hearing from you, Jackie. Good stuff. So... Uh, music news. So I got we got a couple stories, man. We added this to our show a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, as we're putting our notes together for the show, we're always sharing interesting things, and we got some talking about it. So first, man, the, the Nirvana kid. Uh, what, a, what a fucking jerk off! Nope. He's a fucking yeah, douche. He, his lawyer's a jerk off. Yeah, you gave him this idea for child pornography. Yeah, like you know, like if you wanted to get paid. You should have just went after for like this because your your face is on t-shirts well, all over the world. What's the story, Bruce? Yeah, so Spencer Eldon, the kid who appeared on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind 30 years ago, has filed a lawsuit against the band saying that the iconic photo shoot is child pornography. His lawyer has argued that Spencer was naked in a pool chasing a dollar bill, which in turn suggests that he was some sort of sex worker. Fuck and he's suing like... It's like two dozen people. And he's yeah. selling them for like 150 grand yeah. each. Like, come on, like that kid. How many times has that kid re- reenact? Uh, right, that's like three or four times. Internet, yeah. Like all, it was like a meme. Dude, he has like, never mind tattooed on his fucking chest. Yeah, it's it's been, his identity. It's like every five years he does the shoot again. Yeah. And one of the shoots that he did, 
it was like when when he turned maybe it was the thirty year anniversary. He wanted to do it naked. He kept telling the friend. Maybe it was like Rolling Stone or something. And he was like, "No, man, let's do it. Let's do the exact reenactment." And the reporter was like, "Dude, you can't. We can't. We can't can't do that. Put it on the news. I bet if he just the magazine. If he just went to Dave Grohl and said, "Hey, Dave, why don't you just give me two hundred thousand dollars and call it a day?" Dave would be like, "Here you go. Yeah, Yeah, to go away." And I was trying to, I was trying to find this again. Like, he's like an artist who lives in California. Aren't they all though? Right, right. Aren't they? Isn't everybody? And it's one of the things I read said that he was um he reached out to the guys in the band like he wanted to do like an art project and they told him to like go away yeah. and then suddenly this lawsuit came out. I went back trying to find the article and I couldn't find it. So that might just be like internet bullshit that I that I came across um, some crap I read on Reddit or something. But yeah, yeah man, it's a, like that kid's a well, dude, like I said, it's the lawyer. The lawyer put it in his head. Yeah, you know what I mean. And it was, I mean, all the memes that came out of it were great. Was, it was like yeah. the kid on. Uh, the Van Halen video or the album is so wild. I didn't see that one. Called the kid a pussy. Yeah. Or the, <laughs> the kid on the Alice in Chains jar of flies album said he's a bitch. Or the the <laughs> kids see. on Siamese tweet uh, dream by smashing I pumpkin. Just, it was just like all yeah. these. I didn't you know, see any the of internet. It was really oh, that's funny. great. Yeah, the internet hysterical. did internet stuff and just blew him up. But, Good stuff. Yeah, and that kid he'll be back in ten years doing this. Doing it again. Hey, I'm the but, guy. Remember? Yeah. His parents made a bad deal. Like they took the picture for two hundred bucks. They took yep. a picture of him as a kid. Like, do I think that, like, through the last twenty years or wherever it is, that like maybe she got a little bit more money because it's fa- like it's one of the most famous album covers of Absolutely. all time. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah, maybe Dave should have been the great guy that everybody says he is and give him. I don't know. Give him a couple bucks, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't what know. do I know? Yeah. I ten bar clean toilets. <laughs> This this was a so all right next up Kiss versus David Lee Roth I love I, yeah. I find this story Diamond Dave I find this story about Gene Simmons from Kiss and David Lee Roth got into a public fight after God. Kiss dumped Diamond Dave from their latest tour when asked why David Lee Roth wasn't going to be joining them on the tour. <laughs> Gene Simmons said that people want to remember Elvis Presley in his prime, not the bloated, <laughs> naked Elvis dead on the bathroom floor. What, did, what was the original story that David Lee Roth got offered to open up for Motley Crue? And he said, I don't open for bands that I influence. influence what yeah. a dopey motherfucker. So Gene Simmons blew him up. Who would sound better, Dave or Vince? I don't know. That would be uh, a hard show. I would go home. <laughs> <laughs> And then David Lee Roth responded by making 18 posts in a row on Instagram of a kid wearing sunglasses, raising his middle finger with the caption, Roth to Simmons. Gene Simmons has since apologized, but it was just just funny watching the two of them just fight it it's out. It's like celebrity deathmatch on MTV. It's social media. Well, Dave's yeah. just happy to get it. Like, and so is Gene. Like, they're just happy to get it. Oh, they're the probably talking to each other, having lunch. Yeah. Like, oh, let's, let's the talk biggie, shit. Yeah, yeah, the Biggie and uh, Tupac thing. Like, oh, we're just trying to make right. money. Yeah, they're going to be shooting each other next <laughs> thing. Just, yeah, the two of them just fighting it out in, in the public domain was just hysterical. Uh, who cares? Johnny Ramone's guitar for sale. So if you're looking for a piece of music history, but you missed out on buying that Wu-Tang album, <laughs> Johnny Ramone's Black and White Moss Ride Ventures 2 guitar is going to auction. He played that on all 15 Ramones albums and all, whatever, 2,000 yeah. shows that they played. Just, this thing is so beat up, it's beautiful. Yeah, like the paint's coming off of Dude, it. And- the guitar strap's like freaking uh, duct tape or something like that. Yeah. Wow. The uh it's it's you can go online and bid on it right now. The bidding is what you said, two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I looked at or- it before right we came down and it's it's when I texted you when we talked about it, it was up to sixty thousand dollars. Now it's up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. And the bidding stops on the twenty fifth of yeah. September. So you got a couple weeks, man, to uh 
look under those seat cushions. That's like, yeah, get my change and go to the bank and cash it in. We'll pull together all the royalties we're making from doing this show. Oh, yeah. We'll, uh, pitch in and buy it. Hear you know? that, Patheon? <laughs> <laughs> you owe us. Right. And then the last show, the last music thing I had was uh, the 2021 Bonnaroo Music Festival and Arts Festival was canceled for the second year in a row, but not because of COVID. The event was canned because of flooding in the area, mm-hmm. made it impossible for vehicles to safely drive and park in the area. Um, you know, Bonnaroo is just one of those iconic, you know, sure. text, yeah. just amazing music festivals. I went through the, and this was also the 20 year anniversary of Bonnaroo. So I went through all the, you know, it was like 70 acts it played, 55 of which I had no fucking idea sure. who any of them <laughs> yeah. were. It made me feel really old, but it was supposed to, um, the Foo Fighters, Megan the Stallion, who? The, the WAP. Ugh. She's saying she sings oh, out she's with Cardi B. Uh, Primus, don't ask why I know that. Uh, Primus, <laughs> Incubus, Mastodon, Flogging Molly, and Nelly was supposed to play the. Well, it's sure, getting hot in here. Yeah, sure, he's still got the band aid on his face. So <laughs> I thought that was like Bonnaroo's like more of a hippie kind of thing. It I, was. Then it yeah. got all the shit. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's cool. Primes is playing it though. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it was. You know, and I, when I saw that it was canceled, I was like, "Oh man, it's probably canceled because of COVID." And I was like, "No, nah, man, it's because Tennessee just had an enormous amount of yeah. rain dumped on it." And it was. I think it was supposed to be like last weekend, and yeah. it got yeah. it got canceled because uh, they've just gotten probably all the drinking water got all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. That happened to fish one time last year or in 2019, wasn't it? it I think it was right for yeah, the shutdown. Maybe 18. Yeah, hmm. Magna Ball. It was called. No, it wasn't called Magna Ball. Something Ball. Okay. They had to cancel last minute because, because of, the, of that. Yeah. Huh. So I guess that brings us to the electric chair. Yeah. Where we kill off a song for being Zap. terrible. The electric chair is sponsored by our great friends over at Lunacy Brewing Company at 1500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. Yeah. You can check them out on social media or at lunacybrewingcompany.com. This week, it is my turn. And I have decided to pick since summer is over is Wake Me Up. When September ends by Green Day. Yeah. You're, dude, Green. this song's about his dad, man. Is it? Yeah, because his dad died in September and all that. Uh, it's a know, very it's heartfelt a bummer, song. man. It's, this song's a no, bummer. No, I'm with you. So is, so is fucking winter, man. September is the, the gateway to fucking the song, darkness. I'm a whiner. I don't, I don't like Green Day to begin with. And then it's just like, you get every shithead trying to be... Trying to be cute because summer's over, like posting this on their social media uh, page. Like, this, oh, wake me up when summer. Like, fuck off, man. It wasn't fun. Uh, how when did this song come out? Fifteen oh, years ago. Is it it's the like, sign? Oh no, it's not the NSF. No, but it life. sounds just like that fucking it's, song. It sounds the time of my life. Yeah, it sounds just <laughs> like the song, dude. Yeah, they I were just, just in town a few weeks ago. They played, and um, so I, you know, we got together, got a cooler full of beer, and we walked down. Beautiful thing living this close to uh, stadiums and got to listen to their concert for free. In the parking lot? Yeah, Weezer yeah. was great. Not even. I, you don't, not yeah, even I, love I said, I don't like Green Day, and I think this is one of their shittiest songs, so I'm just going to. We can listen to it. Let's just fucking blow it up. We sentence you to death. That was a wimpy Billy Joel Joe? Broadway. <laughs> he was Billy. on Broadway. Yeah, it was, it was on one Bro- of the songs on Broadway. Yeah. Come on, it's not punk rock, boys. Yeah, I don't. I do not like Green the only. Day. The only thing that's on punk rock on Broadway was the Clash. That's true. So that's it, man, for episode twenty-five. We are a quarter of the way to a hundred episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been really fun, man. I'm really having a good time with you, man. Guys. And we've been we've been all over the place, man. Yeah. We're like the Sinatra to punk music. You know, the, nothing is off. Uh, 
there are, there's nothing is off limits with us, man. No, as long as people are listening, we'll keep on coming up with yeah, ideas. Yeah, man. If you like what you hear, please consider checking us out on social media or hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast platform or leave us a review. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. You can check us out at prisonersofrockandroll.com and you can certainly shoot us an email prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. You know, get on board, man. We love having cut. We love hearing what you guys think of what yeah. we're talking about. We love hearing your feedback. We read as much as we can on the air. You know, uh, just just get in touch with us, man. And you can also ask. We'll we'll mail you some stickers. Go listen to this album, man. Go listen to the album. Yeah. Go check out the, uh, the 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 documentary on it. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can check out. And you Oops. know, we we talked. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, was, go ahead, Bruce. A point that we've made many times is like. Dude, if a band is coming and you like them and you're kind of on the fence, go see them. Don't man. worry about the money. You'll find the You'll money. You'll find the money. Yeah, dude. Because that's like, man, like especially after Charlie died. Like me and Ryan got to see him. Like Charlie's last time in Philly. We're going you know? to we're going to Pittsburgh and to see this. Are oh, you going yeah. to see him? Yeah. So I've said to Doug, it's good. It feels like we're going to a wake. Yeah. Like like a, we're going to a party. We're it's like fuck a, a party or ass off. Yeah, yeah. It's still a show. It's still going to be a stone show, but it's just it's just not going to be the yeah, same. It's going like, to be. Like, it's going to be different. You yeah, know, I'm kind of looking forward to it just to see the what, drummer. The drummer that they got is yeah, he's killer. He is killer. Yeah, he was a uh, wasn't he expensive wino? He was. Yeah, oh, was he? And he played on uh, Hell Hell Rock and Roll. He was a drummer in Hell Hell Rock and Roll, the Chuck Berry documentary. Hmm. And so, a lot, I mean, a lot of these guys, man. Like, even if you were in the classic rock stuff, like these dudes are getting old, man. You know, yeah, like I just they're saw they're getting scene. old. They're already old. I just saw that Townsend announced a bunch of dates from the Who, and it's like, dude, he's. He's got yeah. to be eighty wow. or pushing eighty. You know, all the, like one of the uh, one of the Everly Brothers just died a couple weeks yeah. ago. You know, in, in ten years, man, a lot of these Everybody's dudes are gonna all going to be gone. All dropping like flies. Yeah, dude. And it's like, and and if you miss an opportunity, and if you said, oh, uh, you know, someone like I don't know, let me, if you like Buffett, and you go like, oh, well, shit, I didn't go see Buffett because he comes around every year. You missed. Like because of the pandemic, you know, like you yeah. just you missed it, you missed the opportunity. Yeah. And maybe you know he's pushing eighty. But the guy playing the drums for the Stones this time around, his name is Steve Jordan. Okay, and he played for Saturday Night Live, and he has a whole bunch of credits under his belt. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, take advantage of that stuff, man. Go yeah. see those artists before you you missed a chance, and you'll you'll never get a chance to see them. So that's a happy note. But uh, that's it, man. Right. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks so much for checking us out. Check it later. Keep on rocking. Peace out. of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. With one of the best savings rates in America, banking with Capital One is the easiest decision in the history of decisions. Even easier than choosing Slash to be in your band. Next up for lead guitar. You're in. 
cool. <laughs> yep, even easier than that. And with no fees or minimums on checking and savings accounts, is it even a decision? That's banking reimagined. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com slash bank for details. Capital One and a member FDIC. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 